Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. On today's show, we are joined by WFNZ's Chris Kroger to talk about the Hornets' latest game and what's going on with them this season. He talks to Steve Clifford every week. We'll hear what he's learned from those conversations. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Tuesday. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. We've got Locked On Hornets live coming up tonight at 6 o'clock p.m. on youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. Make sure to tune into that. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, Doug. There's more than one legend on the line today, though. That's right. We've got a very special guest on this morning's podcast. He hosts primetime weekdays, 3 to 7 o'clock p.m. on WFNZ, 610 a.m., 102.5 FM, the great Chris Kroger. Thanks so much for joining us early in the morning. Yeah, guys. I'm, I'm, I had to wake out of my slumber, but good morning. <laughs> well, listen, we appreciate it. I think that's when the mind works best, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I, truth be told, I am a bit of a morning guy. I, I don't, for uh, it's kind of odd, somebody with uh, my schedule, I'm, I'm normally uh, early to bed and early to rise, which is kind of odd for uh, when I'm on the air every day. A lot of changes going on at WFNZ right now. You guys get the FM signal. I think you moved into a new building, right? New big stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, we just got uh, bought by Intercom. Um, I, I came on... Gosh, it'll be three years in June, and when I wow. first started, we were CBS Radio, then it was Beasley six months later, and now we're Intercom, and uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be great, and we're under the same roof with 107.9 The Link and, and WBT, and, and in terms of uh, radio heritage, if you're a, kind of a radio geek in this area, BT and, and FNZ are two of the uh, historic signals in Charlotte. I never, th- growing yeah. up here, I never thought they could ever be under one roof, and they are, so I think it's exciting if you're a sports fan. Well, we're excited to have you. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Let's get started, guys, with uh, a recapping this loss to the Washington Wizards, 109-99. Uh, this, was, this was a tough one. This was uh, kind of two steps forward, one step back. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. What did you see in this one uh, that led to uh, another dropped opportunity for the Charlotte Hornets? I just think it's a lot of the same stuff that was plaguing them on that five-game road trip where uh, defensively just uh, guys losing track of their assignments. Uh, The closeouts were were not good last night in Washington, a team that – uh, quite honestly, for the most part, almost ignores the three. They're in the bottom portion of the league and uh, three-pointers attempted, three-pointers made, and, and they were they were lighting it up from deep last night. So, uh, you know, if you, you remove uh, the, the painting and the graphics on the floor, you would have thought that was a road game based off the way the Hornets have played the last few weeks. Uh, David, John Wall gets the better of Kimba Walker early in this one, 18 points on 8 of 12 in the first half. Kimba 2 mm-hmm. of 11 for 8 points. 
What what were you seeing there from Washington? What were they doing to frustrate Kimba Walker? Well, I mean, first of all, I thought John Wall started hitting every shot he took in the first half, right? And that the always helps. After the game. <laughs> yeah, there were all these mid-range jumpers, which he's not really known for. Um, so they let him get super comfortable. And then on the other side, I mean, Kimba, you know, he just had one of those games where he was a little bit off. Um, to me, I mean, they're certainly trying to frustrate him, which everybody's going to do now. And one thing we saw in the Brooklyn game was he had a lot of help from, from really everyone. And on this night, um, you know, he didn't have help from his main guy and, and Nick Batum. But I just thought there was a lot of things to point to. I think Chris is dead on. It's a lot of the same stuff we've seen and stuff we've been talking about all year. But the thing that jumped out to me is they just were less ready to play for whatever reason than the Wizards. I mean, the Wizards had a tough game coming back off that Detroit loss. So maybe that inspired them a little bit, but uh, they jumped out on the Hornets and and just never let up. The Hornets couldn't get over the hump. Uh, Chris Kimba Walker saying after the game that they just didn't try hard enough until it was too late. I mean, is that how, how does that happen? Yeah, I don't know. And you you could get that sense. I mean, if you're watching in the second half, you're right. John Wall got off to a ridiculous start, though. I think he finished with what four points in the second half, six points in the second half, and he only had one made field goal. He was one of eight shooting. He had four turnovers. He, he was he was a non-factor in the second half. And his yeah. guys like Marquise Morris who were beating you. Um, so it, it it was kind of a head scratcher. They cut it down to five, and then you know Washington goes on that on that quick eleven nothing run. So really odd and i mean the thing i think that's probably most frustrating is uh and i don't know if the the players viewed it going into the game this way but essentially a five-game homestand where you're at on the road uh you're going one for nine on your last two five-game road trips you you get four wins on this five-game homestand it's a it's a major major win three is okay four would have been great and then you could go into house money uh on wednesday night against the warriors team on, on national tv and unfortunately uh, now you can't do that. So you kind of, and it's a division rival. You let it slip away in Washington, uh, could do no worse than the season split, uh, with the Hornets now. So this one hurts, I think on a lot of levels. I think it does hurt. And strategically, I think it, it worries me a little bit because I look at that first half and, and I saw Gortat basically just, he, he pitched a tent. He was roasting marshmallows in the lane. He was camping, waiting for Kimball Walker to penetrate. And you saw Cody Zeller get a couple opportunities wide open, knock down the jump shots, but when you take you know take everything to, into account, he really disrupted what Kimba Walker wanted to do in the lane, and I thought Kimba got frustrated with some foul calls. But I think that's that's absolutely a preview of how teams will attempt oh, yeah. to defend the Hornets uh, and, and and specifically attempt to defend Kimba Walker, especially if they can sense that there, there isn't any help coming from the rest of the wings. Yeah, Doug, and, and you may have seen it, Chris, you may have seen some of this too, just you know, on social media or kind of a feeling around the league. But, I mean, that seems like the book that's being written on this team right now. If Kimba has an off night, then the Hornets are pretty easy to beat. And it feels like teams are kind of gearing their game plan as such, as they probably should, because if you can't count on Nick Batum night in, night out, to really score, do not have to score a ton, but if you look back at those three wins, he scored double digits in the teens every night. And then last night just, just went silent, just, just, just stopped shooting. Yeah, and, and, and when you look, guys, I think over the last, what, four games now of this homestand, uh, the bench has been really good. And I think they scored, what, 40 again last night. They're averaging mm-hmm. like 42. Uh, the bench, I thought, kept them in it at, at times last night. But, you know, you before last night, I think it was uh, two games in a row where you had uh, seven different guys score double digits or more. And 
I, it, obviously, that that's a huge reason why the Hornets had won those games. I don't yeah. know how sustainable that truly is uh, over the rest of the year when we're past the halfway mark now. And yeah, I mean, I, I think you're you're seeing that weakness that's there. There's got to be some sort of of third option. And uh, I mean, take your pick right now. Who would you say the third option is uh, for the Hornets? I mean, I guess you could argue it should be Marvin Williams, but. You know, Marvin had an okay game last night, but he hasn't been knocking down his three-point shot with the consistency that he was a year ago. So uh, that that's that's becoming a major glaring weakness if this team wants to take a step forward the rest of the way. Yeah, I think for third option, you could look at Marco Bellinelli, but sometimes his his shots are so tough, and and he not he knocks them down. But I think it's it's just concerning when your third option has to work as hard as Marco has to work. Uh, to get his offense, uh, how sustainable that is. You know what's interesting about? I was looking at Kemba Walker's stats because I was, uh, when he was getting frustrated by those foul calls or or foul calls that weren't there, I was wondering what his free throw attempt rate is for this season. And right now, it's twenty five point seven percent compared that to last season, thirty two point nine percent. So it's way down. But I think it's it's way down because he's getting so far ahead of his defender that often, you know, we've seen it so many times. Uh, him using a variety of hesitation moves, stop starts, change of directions to get to the rim uh, free and clean. Uh, but it's also meant, I think, that r- the referees haven't seen him uh, get get into contact as much, and, and that could be influencing uh, how many foul calls he's getting. What's your sense of that, Chris? Do you think he's getting a fair shake? Uh, you know, I, last night, I'll be honest, might have been the first time that I thought he didn't get the benefit of a couple calls, but you're right. And he actually, I mean, this is something that he, he's worked on with uh, Steve Hetzel, Hornets assistant coach. And this is, I was talking to uh, a variety of guys about this uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's such a hard skill, uh, for, especially given Kemba's size limitations, to uh, to get into the paint as often as he does and finish at the rim. And he often knows, and it's a bit of a nuance to his game, when the contact is behind him. And he has, even if it's a seven-footer uh, like a Gortat, he's got a pretty good sense of, of when he's clear, even if it's only just a fraction of a step. And so, uh, you know, he's worked on that. That's his way of finishing. You know, when you're that size, you have to know where your body is and, and where your shot angles are coming from. And he's found a way to, to do that really well over the last couple of years. And I, But I think to your point, because of that um, – He's not he's not hunting contact necessarily because if he does he's probably not finishing at the rim so that might be an inherent trade off in his game I don't know that's something to watch I actually hadn't thought about it. that's a really good point to to bring up and, and watch moving forward yeah and Doug and Chris y'all bring up a good point but Chris you're right he has to create that space with what little you know body angle he can create right and he's done such a good job of that. Um, he's gotten so much better at finishing, but you might be right that that kind of takes away some of the some of the contact. But you have to. I get his frustration. <laughs> I'm sure he's frustrated about a lot of things, really. Right? I mean, he's just on the night when he's not getting any help and then not getting any calls. It just doubles down on him a little bit. Not getting any help, not getting any calls. I mean, what was going on in that West World finale? I mean, there's just a lot of things to be frustrated yeah. <laughs> with in this world. I think. <laughs> and I thought, to be fair to both teams, I thought the crew last night. I don't really. This is in college basketball. I don't. I don't complain about referees very often, but I, I thought the crew last night was uh, uh, was pretty bad overall. And, and at one With point, the replays. Yeah, and Scott Brooks Jeez. at one point was was and Clifford were, were literally laughing at one another, uh, just joking about about the crew and, and some of the calls uh, that were going both ways. So uh, when you got both when you got both coaches, all they can do is crack jokes with one another while the game's going on. Uh, you, you probably aren't having your best night at the office, and that's 
that's actually a pretty good crew. That's one of the better crews in the NBA yeah. last night. And unfortunately, I, I don't know why they, they, they were on the struggle bus. Were there two tags last night? Did Clifford and Kemba get one? Yeah, yeah. Cliff, and Cliff, I think, was oh, he, he won just had enough. Yeah, he just had enough. <laughs> he reached in. He reached into the rest pocket and grabbed it. He said, "Give me, yeah. give me that tag." Uh, hey, Marvin Williams left the game in the first quarter with a right big toe injury. Came back and he brought down a few key offensive rebounds in that first half to to keep the Hornets afloat. Struggled with his shot a bit, but Chris, I mean, how tough has has Marvin been? And certainly struggling with his shot, but he's really staying in it. Uh, trying to contribute in other ways. Yeah, he, he was actually back in the locker room for for a good amount of time because he just kind of snuck back there, and um, I was awaiting word, and and I was thinking to myself, just generally, normally you're back there that long, you're probably not checking back into the game, and sure enough, he came back out, got snuck right into the huddle, and uh, the Hornet staff were, was working on figuring out what they were going to call it, and then, of course, they, they called it a uh, uh, a right big toe contusion, and so... Uh, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's that's a big dude. That's a lot of weight, and uh, you know, moving around the way he does, that can be problematic. But yeah, I mean, he was questionable in return. It wasn't even probable he was questionable, but uh, he he found his way back into the game. Marvin's a tough dude. Uh, I think there's some people wishing that maybe uh, uh, some other guys would would tough out some injuries the way Marvin has over the years. Interesting stuff. So let's let's talk about his ba- his backup, Frank Kaminsky. I was listening to your pregame show on WFNC and you had uh, Steven Silas on and he talked about how coach has really been on Frank Kaminsky uh, recently and probably throughout the entire season and, and this past offseason as well about his defense and I thought there were some struggles last night against Markeith Morris I mean there's no doubt about that uh, Markeith 8 of 13 from the field but I think overall in this this home stretch he's played a lot better defensively. Yeah, and I think there are two things, and, and Silas was telling me this yesterday. I think there's two things going on with with Frank. I think um, one, Frank is is just he's a very cerebral player. Um, he's got a really high basketball IQ, and um, I think sometimes he uh, he gets caught thinking too much, and he also, um, you know, his I think his confidence you can see it in his shot. Um, it, it comes and it goes, and when it's when it's there, he's just a different player, and. It, it, a lot of people will say, well, he's got to see his shot go through the basket. I think that's part of it sometimes. I just think it's other parts of his game, too, that build that confidence and it and it adds to the offensive end. Uh, so I, I think he's now that he's uh, uh, he's starting to just settle back into a rhythm, I think that's a big part of it. And Silas was saying this, too, and I think this is this is really important. Uh, for a guy like Frank, um, yeah, he's a four-year player at Wisconsin. He was a McDonald's. He was a uh, – uh, a Naismith uh, winner, you know, top college basketball player in, in, in the country. But it's different playing 82 games. And he got his first taste of it last year and then straight into a playoff run. And and then when you mix in the, the surgery he had, Cliff was telling me last week he lost a lot of time uh, during the offseason just, you know, trying to get physically stronger. And, and so the mental reps now that they're in practice, the schedule is kind of evened out. They were in that stretch with, what, 18 games and 32 nights. And, uh and, and at, at that point, they literally couldn't even practice every day. You'd have a shoot around. It was mostly mental reps. And, and so I think now that they're actually having legit practices on a regular basis, they're having one again today. I think that's so big for a guy like Frank Kaminsky, second-year player who's working on that side of his game. Um, his offensive game is always going to be what it is. But for the defensive things, uh, I think that's so important for Frank. So you kind of lose sight of some of that stuff sometimes as a fan. Um, but from from the practice standpoint, I think that's so, been so big for him the last couple of weeks. David, I think the cerebral thing is, is a great point because I, I think that Frank has to make so many more 
decisions than he probably had to make in college in terms of exactly how far do I close out. I mean, he's playing – I mean, he's had so many mismatches this season, and, and in those mismatches, you've if you don't make the right decision, guys are going to expose you. And I think we've been seeing that, uh, but at least recently, he's been able – he's moving his feet a lot quicker, uh, being more decisive on defense. Yeah, and that's something they probably didn't face a lot in college either, right? Those mismatches with, with these crazy athletic guys who are almost as big as he is. And so that can frustrate him on both ends. I mean, if he gets in your head on defense, it may affect the offensive side of the ball as well. But, I mean, I just – I don't know, man. I Call me a frank apologist. I, I Then there's a lot of issues, and there's some nights when he's just going to be mismatched. But I just see a development more on the offensive end, definitely, um, with some of the moves that he he's able to do, especially down low, I think, this season more than last year. He did one on Morris last night. That's a nice little up and under. Tried another one later that wasn't so nice. But um, I'm seeing some developments there that gives you some encouragement. And I know Clifford wants everyone out there to play good team defense. I just – I don't know that Frank is – I don't know how far he's going to advance. You know what I mean? I don't know how far he's going to advance in that area. Yeah, I, I think uh, aside from putting on a, a ton of bulk, which just doesn't yeah. seem to be his frame, um, I think you're right on that. And I, I think the team is – honestly, I think they're okay with that. I mean, it, yeah. and, and, and really look – if you look over the last, this is your now four with Steve Clifford. You look over the last three years, they've been a top ten defensive team um, right. in the NBA every year. And how many of those guys would you say, uh, even per their position, are some of the best defenders in the NBA? So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of what they do is scheme based. Um, there are times where one on one matchups, you know, you'd like them to go in your favor, but they're going to be a great defensive team for the most part, um, just based off of this of the principles Cliff runs. So exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't put a ton of stock in that on Frank overall, but his offensive game's got to be there, and that's what was frustrating. I think before uh, the last couple of weeks, that offensive game was in a was in a pretty rough spot. Another thing that frustrated Frank last night was uh, John Wall delivering a haymaker <laughs> like 30 seconds yeah, ago. And the, you got a close look what at it, Chris. Doing? What was going on there? See, I was confused because I, so full disclosure, we actually have a pretty cool feature the NBA has allowed us to do uh, on our broadcast. I don't know if TV gets the same feature, um, but on our radio broadcast, um, we get a direct feed from Secaucus from the replay center, and oh, wow. so we can't we can't put it on the air, of course. So it's you know it's in queue, and uh, we can hear it off air. We can relay that information, and so. Uh, 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 we, we can hear the ref's crew when they're on headset. We can hear what the caucus is saying back to them. And they were trying to see if it was unsportsmanlike. Uh, they deemed it was not. Uh, and then they were trying to figure out if it was an open fist or a closed fist. I actually thought it looked like a closed fist. It looked like he cocked yeah. back That's what I and thought. punched him. Because it looked like, I mean, you could sort of justify it as maybe a swim move. You know, he was just trying to get by right. Frank on the on the fast break. But then I kept looking at the replay, and I'm like, he had he had fingers curled up. Like that's, I, I don't swim, I pa- I don't swim past people with the... With my, I don't, you know, I don't do a um, a breaststroke with my with my fists. <laughs> like no, and and his his hand was high. Like I don't think it was intentional by any stretch, but his hand, John Wall's hand was super high. And you're yeah. right, it looked closed. And they they were saying he poked him in the eye. I didn't, I don't know, I didn't really see um, Frank getting poked in the eye. It looked like he got clocked inadvertently. Uh, and and the the funny, it's not really funny to Frank, I'm sure, but the funniest part was as they were taking off headset, uh, they said. Um, 
well, it doesn't look uh, unnecessary or unsportsmanlike, but uh, it, cer- it certainly is. Um, gosh, what, what was the unfortunate. word? Uh, the, unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they said it certainly was unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. unfortunate. Un- and, and that's the second in a row for Frank. He's he's getting yeah. some of that Cody Zeller syndrome, just getting hit in the dome uh, too many times. Um, David, you've been in a lot of fights in your day, right? You've, what, what do you think? Was that was that fizz closed or open? <laughs> a couple this morning already. I mean, I, I, <laughs> No, I didn't think that was intentional. The fist was closed, but, it, I mean, it looked more or less. I thought – now, I was under a haze of a leave, saltines, and Gatorade at the time. But, mm. um, I, I mean, I thought it was more or less a basketball move. Like, Frank was trying to jump in there and get in his way, which is just <laughs> – I don't know if I want to be jumping in front of John Wall when he's making a stride for the basket. It wasn't intentional, but it was just unfortunate, as was, you know, the end of that game. I mean, how, how long did the end of that game last? Oh, it minute? took – Oh, it took forever. And uh, there, yeah. are, there are games where I, I want to say maybe the Portland game was this way last week where you you look up and it's like 9 o'clock, nice and tidy, two-hour NBA yes. game. And that one felt like it was dragging on until 9.45 last night. All right, well, let's talk uh, more generally about the Hornets, Chris. You get a chance to chat with head coach Steve Clifford every week on primetime. Tell us about some of the things you've learned about him and this team uh, through those conversations this season. Yeah, I just think, uh, you know, Cliff's an interesting guy because he always tells you where he stands. You know, he's not somebody, and that, and that's why players love him, um, because he, he's that same way with them. And so sometimes he can be brutally honest, um, but I think players respect that because they always know uh, where they're at in the grand scheme of things with him. So I, it's always interesting. I know he's not going to come right out and tell me certain things, but you ask him a question, you ask the right questions. I think you're, you're going to get a pretty good read on him. Um, and I, I don't think that he's uh, playing games. And that's not just with me. I think that's anybody with the media. So if you get a chance to talk to him, um, I think if you come at him, um, you know, with some informed topics and discussions, I think he's, he's pretty good about that stuff. So I was, I walk away. I say this every time I, I walk away learning something new and um I'm an NBA junkie just like you guys are. And so it's always, it's just a treat every week to get to talk to him for 10 minutes. And, you know, even if it's not Hornets related, talking NBA stuff in general. And um, he's got a, he's a, he's an inherent teacher. So I think this is what makes him such a, a great coach. And it shows on the defensive side is he's got a way of talking to somebody where he's not talking over you and he's not talking under you. He just kind of meets you where you are. And that's a really hard thing to master. I think when you're teaching anybody, any skill, and he's, He's really good at that. So um, I, I love it. Each and every week, it's my favorite part of the of the show each and every week. And uh, I always look forward to when basketball season is going on because uh, it's pretty rare. I, I, I think you'd have to go across the country, but I, I'd say this is probably one of only a handful of, of markets across the country where we get to talk to the NBA head coach every week. Well, it's it's interesting because, you know, we don't get to see uh, his his communications in the locker room. Uh, with players, but we hear on your show and we hear in the post games uh, his comments on the team, and like you said, it is very honest. And then you hear what the players have to say, and oftentimes those messages are are exactly the same. The things that the team needs to focus on, the things that the team is struggling with, the the message is obviously uh, getting getting to the players, and the players are recognizing it and, and relaying that out. You know, when they talk to the media, and that's not always the case in the NBA, you'll have a coach say one thing, and then they interview the players, and the players say, well, I don't know about that. Uh, So the message is translating, uh, and I think that's what makes what we've seen this season a little bit frustrating, because 
you know, everyone knows that the players know exactly what's going on, that there's, that there's an intensity issue on some nights and there's a fourth quarter defense issue on other nights. And yet um, they haven't, they haven't been able to put together a longer stretch of, of performances that, that would indicate that they understand uh, what's going on. I think that's been the most frustrating thing about this season so far. Yeah, I'd agree. And I, I think, I think honestly, you know, we, I think we've come to this probably understanding over the last month or so anyway, but you know, it's games like last night against Washington, uh, what, what the way this team's playing on the road right now that I think really expose, um, they're still missing something. And I don't, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. pretend to know what that something might be. I think there are a lot of different avenues you could go. Um, but you know, you go back to last year, I think we, we have this, um, I think a lot of people have a different perspective on what happened last year because you finished with 48 wins. Uh, you know, you win 30 games at home. You're, you're one of the top three-point shooting teams in NBA history. I think they were eighth all-time in three-pointers made in a single season last year. So it kind of covers up all the all the, the, the blind spots you had from, from last year's team. But last year's team was basically in the spot. Actually, last year's team was under 500 at this time last year. So, um you know, you go back to where this team was a year ago. It was a lot of the same stuff. Defensively, they were struggling for consistency. Offensively, uh, you never knew who was going to show up from night to night. Um, Kemble wasn't playing at this level like he he is now. He was great last year, but he wasn't even this. So they got a catalyst in Courtney Lee, and it seemed to gel all those pieces together. And I don't want to oversimplify things, but I, I do. I still think that's the case with this year's team. You know, you can see the flashes. There just needs to be something that that kind of binds all that together. And I think I think they could find that in a trade somewhere over the next couple of months. And they're certainly missing three point shooting right now, seventeenth in the league in three point percentage. And I think that those those three pointers uh, kind of got them through some tough stretches last season. And and uh, electrified, got the crowd involved, electrified uh, the team a little bit, and and could have leaked into the defensive performances as well. Uh, but but they don't have that. You know, I've seen some tweets from various uh, national media guys talking. I think a lot of them were tuning into that game last night, and and they made comments to the effect of, you know, the Hornets had a beautiful offense last season, and now it just seems Kemba dependent. And I don't really do agree with that because I think. The, we've seen the offense have some really great ball movement, uh, but all of the offense is suddenly contracted uh, to inside the arc. And when it's really when when it's going, when Nick Batum can back a guy down and hit that turnaround jump shot, and Kimball Walker's getting free looks at the la- at the rim and converting and getting foul calls, then it's beautiful. And when it's not, they can't lean back on that three point shooting. Uh, to really get them through some tough stretches. Uh, David, I'll give you the final word. Well, yeah, and you look at it last night, there are shots. There are shots to be had, yep. and there were shots taken. They were just not made. I mean, you know, uh, 39% shooting. They got 90 shots. The Wizards only got 80. Three-pointers certainly balanced that out some. But, I mean, there are open shots. The offense is getting those shots. They're just not going down right now. They're not hitting them with any consistency. You saw it last night. There's a couple possessions where it's like a four or five point game in the fourth quarter and two opportunities i think to chop into that lead more and they just didn't get good shots you know one was an okay nick batum shot on any other night but he just completely airmailed it on the baseline there and then i can't recall what the other one was neither of them went, neither one of them went down so a lot of it comes down to shot making um I'm, I'm with you doug i mean the offense isn't in dire straits they just gotta they gotta get and maybe it is on the trade it's starting to look like that more and more chris they just gotta find someone else to make shots 
Yeah, and I, I think, too, Clifford said this a couple weeks ago. I don't know where, it's, where it stands right now. In terms of points per possession, uh, from an efficiency standpoint, this offense is, is clicking at a level it really never has under him before. So, you're right. I mean, the offense is different. Uh, I think last year's team um, was 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 pretty balanced and uh um you know for it was it was a for a poor man's budget roster i think they put together a pretty yeah. good group of three-point shooters and this year you know they've taken a step back marvin i i think for whatever reason has, has taken a step back in that regard and um it's just amazing there's a trickle down effect clifford always uses this term uh spacing is your shooting and that works both ways where defenses are going to respect what your three-point shooting is uh and how you're how you're running your offense and and the spacing is going to become uh, uh, going to come off of that. And when that happens, the shooting's going to go up as well. So it's kind of this circuitous thing that's going on when it's rolling. It's awesome. When it's not, it's really troublesome. And right now they're just stuck in a way. So I, you get one guy, honestly, I believe that. I think if you get one guy, if it's the right guy, I think there's a trickle down effect where Frank gets some better looks. Marvin gets better looks. Marco is going to get better looks. Kemba who's shooting 42% from behind the three point line, which is an unreal number. Uh, Nick, who's, serviceable if you're leaving him open or if you're cur- curling him off the right screen. So you get the right guy. Courtney Lee was that guy last year as a 3 and D guy. I just think it completely changes all this stuff we're talking about. Last question, Chris. Uh, we've got this game coming up on Wednesday against the Golden State Warriors. It's a national TV game. Does your job change at all uh, covering the game when uh, national TV is in town? It's going to be nuts. I have no idea. I'm normally I've got the best seat in the house. Like I'm right there on the end of the score table. I might be in a in a closet somewhere for for Wednesday night's game, which is fine. It's totally worth it. And I know from the Hornets' perspective, it's frustrating to them because a lot of people, uh, a lot of casual NBA fans, this time of year in Charlotte, who only know Steph because he's Dell's son. Um, they, they want to come to t- they want to come to the game, and and you get a lot of local reporters who all of a sudden want to follow NBA basketball because Steph, Steph's returning. And for them, they look at it as he's not ours. So why, why do you want us to accommodate some of this stuff? So um, it's a little frustrating for them. You get a lot of Johnny come lately's on Wednesday, but it should be fun. Every time Steph comes back home, it's a big deal. It feels like a playoff atmosphere. It's going to be sold out. There will be a lot of Warriors fans, I'm sure, in the crowd on Wednesday night. But uh, uh, it'll it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to Wednesday and who knows if Dion Waiters can hit a game winner to beat the Warriors last night? Anything yeah. possible, guys? Why? Anything's why possible. not? Look, it hasn't happened. They haven't lost back-to-back games since April of 2015. But you know, uh, crazier things have happened. Okay, uh, they're 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 happening in our government right now. Crazier yes. things have happened. So, um, Chris. Thanks so much uh, for joining us, taking the time out early this morning. I know uh, our friend, our mutual friend, Nada, is listening. So, uh, Chris, I owe you a Bojangles chicken biscuit. Uh, Nada, <laughs> I'll get you one, too. Don't worry. It's, it's coming. Oh, yeah. Away. Well, I'll take you up on that. i got to go run with my dog real quick, though, if I'm going to make some room for that. I'm just going to tell you. All right, uh, Chris, thanks so much. And thanks to everyone for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Listen to Chris on primetime. Uh, uh, three to six or three to seven, excuse me, on WFNZ six ten AM one two point five FM. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Hornets questions, thoughts, send them to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. For David and Chris, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's warm shark. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? with the helpful hardware folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. 
Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.